Well, we are looking at a theme for the year of experiencing God. Um, came out of my own search to kind of think of what's, what, I, what do I think my ministry at this point is really about. And I think it's, it came down for me about experiencing God in, in our lives. Like I, I, want, I think you're probably here. You can be a lot of places. But we're kind of here uh, maybe for eggs or maybe for a little bit of community. But, but a lot of people are here because don't we want something of the divine in our lives? Like there's something about us that has kind of this God-shaped hole that we want to like experience. I want my life to like mean something more than what I think my life means. I want to get in touch with this divine something out there that seems close but sometimes seems further away. And so we're, we're looking at how do we experience God in our lives? And uh, I'm convinced that God is really there. Like actually with us, actually close. Uh, there's a scripture in the Psalms that says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. I love that phrase, very present. Very present. God isn't just present, He's very present. Like he's not just kind of close, He's like right there. And what if we took seriously this idea that God is right there, that you are the temple of the Lord, that in fact, the Holy Spirit is within you. Like not out there somewhere, but actually in us. So last week we talked about finding God in time. And I, I talked about how, you know, we, we, a lot of times we get stuck in the past and we don't want to move into the future, or we're running from our past so we get stuck in the future. And what a lot of people have trouble doing is living in the now, in the present. And what I want to do today is talk about really how that works, how that looks. How do we actually live daily with God? And I'm kind of excited about it because I don't know that I've ever heard a lot taught about this. Um, and at least not the way I'm going to talk about it. Uh, and so, so we're going to explore this. How do I get connected with a God who's present with me in daily life, with the daily bread that God sets out before me? Now, to help you in this sermon, there's a page in your bulletin. And I called it Sermon Scribble. So it's not Sermon Notes. It's kind of like a couple pictures or scriptures that might go with the sermon. And so you can see that in your bulletin. I'm not going to necessarily point to everything on there. It's all in here, but I'm not going to like keep referring to the document. But it may help for you to follow along why I put it in there. Um, but funny enough, as the week went on, I decided this sermon is really about four words. And it would have been great if I had known that before we printed the bulletin, because I would have just given you the four words. They're kind of on here, but, but um, they, they really are on here. The sermon didn't change that much, but it got clearer to me, okay, these are the real four words that we're dealing with, and, uh, but I had already printed. So it's up to you to write down the four words. Everybody got it? So you, you got to catch the four words. I'm going to try to make them as obvious to you as possible. But, but if you said to me, there's, to Jordan, how do you know, how, how do you experience God daily, like every day? These are the four words I would give you. Okay? And it's a little bit of a process, a little bit of a sequence, although it, in life I think it's kind of fuzzier than that. Word number one is inclining. Inclining. It comes out of the Proverbs. Proverbs 2, 1. Uh, starting in verse 1, says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments within you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, 
Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice to understanding. Or here's another example. There's actually a number of these in the Proverbs, but here's Proverbs 22, 17. Incline your ear to hear the words of the wise and apply your heart to my knowledge. The first word is inclining, and you will all know what this means if I give you this example. How many of you know somebody that has a good ear? You know what I'm talking about? It's not a good ear. It's just better than the bad ear, okay? And um, if you don't, I can point to a couple in the room. But somebody has a good ear, what do they have to do? They've got to turn, they got to turn their head and put you in the good ear. And then they've got to tilt their head to get the angle right to hear the most out of what you're saying, right? So everybody's seen this, right? Okay, put a hand up, get the angle right so that you can hear somebody correctly. So what the proverb says is, incline your ear to wisdom. And it actually says, incline your heart. So like, tilt it, turn it, incline it so that you're actually ready to receive whatever God's going to say, or whatever God is going to do. Okay, so the idea is, are you inclining your hearts? Are you inclining your ear? Are you turning your eyes to look for God in daily life? I'm convinced not that many people actually are. They'd love for God to show up, but they don't ever see God show up because they're not turning their ear the right way, not turning their heart to it. So I think if you want to experience God in your life on a daily basis, start with inclining your ear and inclining your heart. What if you actually expected that God was going to do something today? And then you turned your heart, you turned your ears, you looked at your eyes, said, I don't want to miss that. That posture of inclining myself towards seeing God is so important. That's where experiencing God in your daily life, I think, starts. So what's the first word? Inclining. Second word, then, is noticing. What's the second word? Noticing. It's noticing. Just observing what then happens when you incline? Listening, hearing, feeling, whatever that is. Noticing what is going on. You look for the divine. You expect God to be there, and then you turn. Now, there's this, um, I, I found in, in uh, looking some stuff up this week, this book by Charles Stone called Holy Noticing. Holy Noticing. I did not buy the book. I have not read the book, but I loved the title. Holy Noticing. How do we notice the holy in the middle of our lives? Yeah, I gave you a quote from the book. Holy noticing is a way of, to bring intentional awareness in the present moment to what and who is around us. What we're doing, thinking, and feeling all from God's perspective. In other words, you like set your antenna. Okay? You set your antenna. If you were writing, incline your ear today, you might say, turn on your Wi-Fi. Okay? Or adjust the antenna. Okay? What are you noticing? What do you see? What are the patterns? Just start to look at what you sense, what you feel, what's being said, what's not being said. Where are the closed doors? Where are the open doors? Where are the opportunities? Where is their beauty? Where is their power? Where is somebody experiencing joy? Where are you seeing somebody inspiring because they're fighting against the odds? Like, what if all of those are little God things you're supposed to be noticing? you got to train yourself to see them. 
Now, let me clear up a couple misconceptions, I think, about how we experience God in our lives and how we're supposed to notice them. Number one, while God can use an audible voice, very rarely do I think God does that. I will tell you, in, in uh, my years of trying to follow God and experience God in my life, God has spoken to me with an audible voice, zero much. It's never happened. I've never had it. Most of the people I know have never had it. I know people that do. I'm not saying you can't have it. But that is not, if you have in your head, God speaks in that kind of voice, and it never happens, you get disappointed. Your expectations. I'm telling you, that is not the norm. Most of the way God leads, most of the way God shows up is in little subtle ways that you barely notice. Okay? Um, also, it's not normally very mystical experience. Like God can speak through dreams or signs or... Um, and I, I used to, when I heard people talk about some of those things that God showed up in, in a butterfly that they saw, or in a, and I used to be a little more suspicious and a little bit, you know, I would sort of brush those off. I, I actually am much more open to God speaking in miraculous ways, because I've talked to too many people that have had those experiences, and the church never knows what to do with a mystical experience. It's funny, we should, right? This <laughs> happens in our book, but it doesn't normally have it we don't normally talk about. But here's what I will tell you. That is not the norm. Most of the ways that God speaks is not in like a whoo, bow, fireworks. That's not, what's the Bible called the voice of God? A still, small voice, like a whisper. That's, it's different. So if you expect something whoop, big, it's not always like that. The other thing I'll tell you is that a lot of people, when they expect to see God in their lives, expect a real feeling to go along with it. Like happy, exuberant. Um, but here, here's what I'll tell you. The, the feelings are all over the place. Okay, Sometimes I feel really far away from God. That has nothing to do with how close God is. That's how I feel. So, so in your mind, scrap the expectations of what it feels like, because it's, it's not like that. It's not. God's, Jesus says to his disciples, I will be with you to the end of the age. He doesn't tell them, you'll feel like I'm with you to the end of the age. That's never a promise. You're never a promise on how you're going to feel about this. So just acknowledge that, um, actually, a lot of times when you're seeking God's will in your life, it, it, it's odd. It doesn't feel close. It feels fuzzy and weird. But it's more than the feeling. Hence the Boston reference here. More than a feeling. It's, it's not a feeling. There's a feeling with it, but it's more of like an intuition. It's not, it's not, like, a, not like a real emotional thing. I also think holy, holy noticing is, is oriented towards the appreciative. What I mean by that is the positive. In other words, a lot of Christians, when they start trying to discern God's will, they're like, what's wrong? What's bad? But you know what? Jesus spends a whole lot of time talking about what the kingdom of God is like and about no time talking about what the kingdom of God is not like. There's no, the kingdom of God is not like parables. So the, I think if you're going to start noticing, the noticing is, what is God up to? What's happening? What's hopeful? What opportunities do we have? Noticing is a positive approach. Now, sometimes something's wrong and you've got to fix it. And Jesus is perfectly fine to tell the Pharisees they're hypocrites and kind of clean stuff up. But most of his orientation is, this is what's possible. This is what the new kingdom is like. So, so start noticing in your life, where are the positives? Where are the opportunities? When you get your eyes off of what's negative and start looking towards what's right or possible, that's when you start noticing God in a different kind of way. So there's inclining, but then there's this process of, of noticing, of seeing what is God up to. Where is there hope? 
Where is there possibilities? So we've got what? Inclining. Noticing. Okay, the next word is for me is processing. Processing. At some point, you've got to start figuring that out. You've got to start thinking about what does it look like? What does it not look like? What is God saying to me over the last period of my life, right? Day, not just daily, but day to day. And, and um, this comes from me out of my ropes course experience. We used to take groups and we would have them do an activity. And then we'd see all their dynamics, all their you know, teamwork and their communication. They don't trust each other. But then we would take it apart. We called it a debrief. We would process it. And we had a good outline for it. And this, you, this, is, in your, this is in the packet. But um, what, so what, now what? What, so what, now what? What happened? What does it mean? Or what is the lesson from it? Now what do I do with that information? Now, what most people do is they jump to the end. We do this in Sunday school, right? We watch a video in Sunday school, and then we're like, okay, what did everybody learn, and what's your takeaway? No, you start with, what did the person just say? This is how you should read your Bible, too. What does the Scripture actually, if you try to read your Bible and apply it, you're going to like start eating locusts and planting fig trees and trying to walk on your pool. Like You can't just immediately jump to application. What is it? So what is the principle, the pattern, the underlying? And then what does it mean for me moving forward? Everybody see what, so what, now what? Okay, but I got to do that in my life too. I got to take time to journal, to go for a walk, to talk to a friend, to say, okay, what, what am I, I'm noticing these things. What is it? What am I noticing? What does that mean? What's the pattern? What's the leading? What's the lesson? And then how do I do something with that? So many Christians don't take the time to process, and then they wonder why uh, this is so hard for them to actually feel God and to actually experience God in their life. Because they're, they're maybe not inclined, they're maybe not noticing, but then they're also not doing the work of processing what's going on. Inclining, noticing, processing. The last word is discerning. So here's what I have found. I have found if you do this long enough where you're trying to see God in your life, you're trying to open yourself to God in your life, that that noticing and what you're processing becomes leading. So discerning is then when you start to say, okay, what does this mean? How do I start making decisions based on this? You know, a a lot of people are, uh, when we make decisions, we're very analytical about them. Like pros, cons, how many of you are like this? Like I want to weigh the cost-benefit. Well, here's the weird thing about the Bible. The, the strategic decision in the Bible is almost always the wrong one. In the Bible, Gideon, you have too many men. Okay, In the Bible, Jesus is like, ah, I'm just recruiting some fishermen. Right? Like in, in the Bible, five loaves, two fish, that's plenty. Okay? Actually, in the Bible, the logical people are normally the wrong people. And the crowd in the Bible is always the wrong people. Whatever the vote, whatever the popular opinion is in the Bible, it's almost always, let's go back to Egypt or let's crucify them. Okay? There's not a lot of crowds that get it right in the Bible either. So how do we make decisions? Well, as Christians, I don't think we're called to make analytical decisions. We're called to discern God's will. And that's a totally different thing. There's no spreadsheet for that, everybody. There's no like uh, pros and cons and we weigh it out. No, the question is, what is God's will? A lot of times, God's will doesn't make the most sense. It's not the most logical. 
Do you, do you see then how much work it is to try to discern God's will? So instead of analyzing, it's like a, a, somebody panning for gold. You know what you got to do? You got to like shake it up. You got to shake it up. You got to swirl what's going on in your head around. And what do you do? Start noticing. Oh, there's the gold. There's the gold. You just keep shaking. And then you discern, here's the gold. Here's the gold sort of rises from the rest of what's going on. The sermon is not often even in big decisions. Most, most big decisions, like, should I become a missionary or should I become a drug dealer? Well, I'd go missionary. You know what I mean? Like most of the time, it's not, most of the time, I love how Spurgeon says that discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It's knowing the difference between right and almost right. That's discernment. And discernment is not often in the big decisions, it's often in the daily training yourself to discern God's will. I'll get, I'll get two major discernment examples from my family. I was working in a church, and I was thinking that I, I have some gifts for ministry, and I may want to go to seminary. Now, we had two little kids at the time, okay, had no idea how we were going to do this. But I started thinking about it. Some other people were sort of saying, Jordan, you really have some gifts for some of these things. You should go to seminary and really be a pastor. And um, I had to sort of wrestle with that. And so I was like looking up schools online, trying to figure out financially how we're doing this. So we, my, my wife and I, we, we took a trip down to Pittsburgh Seminary. Okay? And we met with some people, and then we had an evening class in, in, on, in the book of Genesis. I remember it. And uh, we both left Pittsburgh Seminary. And we both said, well, that's not the place. We both were like, nope. Like, I don't want to live in the city. Did not like the vibe. We are not going to Pittsburgh Seminary. Um, and like, we didn't even talk about it that much. You remember? It was like, nope, that's not it. Okay, you want to stop somewhere? Get a milkshake on the way home? Like, we instantly just moved on from that. I thought me, I applied because I thought maybe I would start a class in the fall. And then what happened was three weeks before school started, Three weeks before orientation, I got a letter saying, I've got a scholarship, Pittsburgh Seminary. Someone had died, the money was there, and so I got a full ride for the academic portion of going to Pittsburgh Seminary. And then we were like, okay, we'll go. You know what I mean? Like, it was the most obvious decision. Like, from the outside, you might say, well, that was clear. Like, what was discerning about that? You just did it. Yeah, but you know what you didn't see? The year of torture as I was starting to feel this call in my life and try to figure it out and what am I going to do and I went to visit some places I didn't like them and like the, the day by day discerning when I got to the decision it was like all right yeah clear but 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 the discernment was the year before it was the same thing when I came to this church I had discerned that I was going to leave uh the my previous church and I was looking for somewhere and for a year I, I had looked and I I like I, I was a finalist, or they wanted me, but I didn't really want to go there. Or a lot of times, I was like the number two choice. So I had a lot of situations where I met with a committee, and then I waited for two weeks while they hired the other guy, keeping me in reserve. Like, this happened multiple times. And I, the whole time, I'm like, God, why am I going through this? It was not good for my mental health. It was a really kind of long year. And then the EP, the executive presbyter, told me about this church. He told me about two churches. I don't even, I can't even quite remember what the other one was. He told me about this one. I drove up here and drove by to see it. I don't know why. I was like instantly fascinated with this church. And I met with the committee here and the committee had just gotten started. Like it was not, um, and in about 10 minutes, I was like, okay, this is it. 
Like, honestly, about 10 minutes of the first interview, I was like, eh, this is it. I think in the second interview, we were like starting to talk details. Like, it happened real fast, didn't it? It was like pretty instant. Which sounds like amazing, right? But it was a year of torture going into that, right? It was a year of trying to notice all this stuff and process it. See, this, we think discernment is like the big moments. But it's actually the daily grind of trying to incline your ear and listen to God in the moment. Being willing to pursue God's will. Being willing to say, I think God you're in this. I think God you have leading for me. And then training yourself to listen to it and to move when the call comes. But it starts with inclining. It starts with noticing. Then you start to put that together. And then over time, what that turns into is God leading you in places. And you experience God. But I, what I'm telling you is, I, I literally, what did I, what did I just call that year? Torture. It was in some ways, it was total like chaos. It wasn't like clear. Like we talk about feelings. It wasn't happy. It was a lot of frustration. It was a lot of annoying. Um, and yet here's what happened. In that time, it's, it, it's kind of like when you decide you want God in your life and you want to discern God's will, God's not going to waste the opportunity. He's like, okay, if you're in this, then, then I'm not going to give you the plan. I'm going to use it as an opportunity to draw close to you. And so what God does is He brings you into relationship in that process. So then when the big decision comes, the big turning point, like then those are actually not as hard as you might think. Because you've trained yourself day by day to listen, to notice, to pay attention, to discern. So that's, that's, if you want to have, so we could talk about prayer, we could talk about Bible study, all those things I think just help this process. But, but this, and I don't know a lot of people are talking about this, but this is how I think it kind of works. Can you start inclining your ear to God on a daily basis? My prayer for you is that you would see and experience and respond to God in your daily life. Because I'm convinced He's there. I'm convinced He's there. So pay attention. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.